0: This is episode 32 of the 99 Forever Podcast. I'm Eric Friesen, and I'm pleased to be joined by Diego Pontes. Diego, welcome to the show.
1: Hello, Eric. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, it's great to finally talk to you. We've been planning to record an episode together for a couple weeks now, and uh, I think we picked a great night to do it following a historic performance by Edmonton Oilers captain Connor McDavid yesterday. Um, But before we get into that, I'd just like to find out a little bit about your hockey background. So tell me, when did you first get interested in hockey?
1: Oh, I got interested in hockey uh, at first, you know, when I traveled to Canada in 2011. So I was invited to go to a game, you know, it was Oilers versus Predators. And on November 17th, if I'm not mistaken, you know, And then that was my first time watching a game, I, I was watching at Rexall Place at that time, it was such a good environment, people were going crazy, you know, cheering, supporting the Oilers, so I really liked that environment, I, I really liked it, all the atmosphere, you know, around the stadium and people were very passionate about the, the Edmonton Oilers, so... It really got my attention, because when I went to Canada, I went as an exchange student, you know, an exchange program. I took part here and I spent one year living in Edmonton, Canada. So I lived with a Canadian family. So this family took me to one of these games, you know, and it was this game specifically Oilers vs Predators on November 17th. So I got so happy, you know, to be doing something that I wasn't you know, use it to do like going to games, you know, even here in Brazil, sometimes we don't do that, you know, due to the lack of time. So I was very fortunate to watch one of these games. And from that moment on, until the present days, I'm still an Oilers fan, even living far from Canada, you know, living in Brazil. I'm so glad to be part of this community, huge community.
0: Oh that's awesome man. I had no idea that you had actually lived in Canada before and uh, sp- specifically Edmonton. Is there a reason why you picked Edmonton to go to uh, to school there and uh, how was your experience living in Canada overall?
1: Oh my experience was great actually. You know, uh, I, I was I went to Canada to work as a volunteer. You know, uh, there was a program here um in Brazil for students to spend one year in Canada working at, a, at, a, at some specific places, you know, we were designed to some specific functions. And then one of the places available for me at that time was in Pennsylvania, in United States, and in Edmonton, Alberta. So I decided to go to a different place, you know. So I didn't want to go to United States. I really want to visit Canada. And my experience was great. You know, I had lots of opportunities to meet different people, to speak in English, to practice because you know, as a foreign student, we want to learn some English when we travel abroad. So that was my first goal. And I went there to study and to work, you know, but I had such a great experience there. You know, it was a, a great moment in my life and it really changed my life for better, you know, since since I came back to Brazil, so life has been pretty different than it used to be in the past, for better, let's, let's be clear about that.
0: <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that things are going good for you, man. Um, yeah. how, how was it getting used to the change in weather, though? I'm guessing that was the first time you had ever seen snow. Exactly,
1: uh, it was not an easy thing, you know. I live in the northeast of Brazil, and... Uh, In this region here in Brazil, uh, it's kind of hot, you know, so the weather is really warm. um, We don't have any kind of snow, you know, we we just have some cold weather, but it's in the countryside of my state, you know. We are surrounded by the ocean, so there are lots of beaches here, and I never had the chance to to meet the snow before I went to Canada, you know, so I really liked that experience. It was really good for me. It felt great, you know, something new, a new weather, so something to experience. And I really like it, (laughs) but I suffered a lot, you know, it was really...
0: (laughs) No, you know what? I, I totally understand. I've lived here my whole life, and I think after you have lived in a cold climate for years and years you uh you get used to it but maybe you don't necessarily love it as much i mean i've always enjoyed the winter just because it's hockey season so i mean i can do without the minus 35 days but if it's minus 10 i'll be at the outdoor rink or um you know enjoying being outside still and uh did you get a chance to skate at all when you were here or even uh try to learn how to skate
1: yeah such a dramatic Traumatic experience for me, you know. You know, how come a guy like uh, from Brazil could like hockey, but he doesn't even know how to stand up on uh, skates? You know, it was my case, you know, I didn't know how to stand up, you know, it, it was really difficult for me. You know, uh, there were uh, some friends of mine who took me to uh, like, uh, there was a, a lane, you know, a uh, uh, frozen lake. Yeah. And they said, "Okay, well, why why don't you try to skate?" But and I told them, but I had no idea. I have no idea how to skate there. So try to put on these skates and see if, wh- what you can do. You know? Oh my
0: these, gosh! These boots with knives on the bottom.
1: Oh. Yeah, don't tell me about it, Eric. It was <laughs> it was a fun experience, you know. But I really enjoyed, uh, and I I I just realized that playing hockey it's not something easy. You know, you have to handle the stick, and you and you have also to skate really well. You know, uh, to my surprise, some friends of mine told me, oh, kids start skating here at four years old. And I said, what?
0: So
1: how can a kid do that? (laughs) I
0: I don't think it's ever too late to learn. But obviously for any skill in life, I, I believe that starting at a young age is good. Like I started skating when I was three years old. And, you know, for anyone who does any discipline, like playing the piano, dancing, skating, these are things that obviously if you start at a young age, I think you have a better chance of developing those skills and and obviously being better at it as you get older but it's not impossible Absolutely. so uh i'm glad that you still gave it a try uh, even uh even though you were only here for a short time
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it was just one day if i had more days practice maybe i would have skated better you know
0: <laughs> well maybe yeah. the next time you come back to uh edmonton to see a game in the future you can uh give it another shot uh at one of the the rinks when you're there
1: For sure, I will, you know. It's going
0: to be fun. That's great to hear about your experience in Canada. Let's stick a little bit with the Oilers, though. Now, you said that you went to your first game in November 2011. Do you remember anything about the game or who scored?
1: I I do. You know, uh, like I said, it was Oilers versus Predators, but... Uh, I, I was having a look here at some stats from that time you know I, I right. don't remember all the players I took some pictures it was so entertained you know my biggest memories were buying a, a t-shirt you know that was a Taylor hall number on the back oh yeah know? and I loved that shirt I kept that shirt uh, as long as it would last here you know so the the shirt, was really in poor conditions after some years so i had to throw <laughs> this away you know but i really love it and i also got a bubble head from ryan smith you know so oh yeah i uh, i got as a souvenir you know because when you enter uh the rexall place uh you the fans they they receive a bubble head well, at least at that time, I was getting one, you know. I don't know if someone paid for me. You know, I, I don't remember that, but I got one for free, you know. I'm guessing and it I must have been a promotional
0: home. giveaway. That, yeah, Yeah, problem. they do that on certain nights, I'm sure. Um, But yeah, Ryan Smith was my childhood hero and, you know, watched him all the way until he retired in 2014. And Taylor Hall, when he was in Edmonton, was one of my favorite players too. Uh, were those your favorite players as well in your first few years of following the Oilers or who are your favorite Oilers players and and what do you specifically like about them?
1: Oh, okay. So my favorite Oilers nowadays, I really like Connor McDavid, of course. How could you not like the (laughs) biggest player of all of not of all time, but it might be One day, you know, one of the biggest players of all time, but it's the biggest player to play the game nowadays. You know, it's my hero, and also Leon Dryzello. So I really like him. I like his shot. You know, when he shoots, you know, especially on power play. So I I really expect a, a shoot from him, like I expect a shoot from Alex Ovechkin. You know, so.
0: Uh, it's, it's th- these are
1: the biggest. They're similar, you know. I, we we know Alex Ovechkin. Ovechkin, it's also a huge player, you no? Know? But I I really like Leon Drysdale. So for me, uh, him and Connor McDavid are my biggest, you know, uh, heroes nowadays. But in the past, I used it to be a huge Taylor Hall fan, you know. I was. And I liked him. Uh, Nugent Hopkins was drafted in 2011, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so I didn't know much about him, but I, I liked Jordan Eberle, also who used to play at that time, you know. So these were my two biggest names in 2011, Eberle and Taylor Hall. I didn't know much about Ryan Smith and I regret that because he was playing with the Oilers, you know, and after some time I realized he was such a huge name for the Oilers, one of the best players of all time and well-loved by the Oilers community.
0: Absolutely. I mean, Smith was closer to the end of his career by that point, but in his prime he was, you know, the Oilers' best player for probably a five-year stretch there and, you know, probably one of the the greatest players to ever put on the Oilers jersey. Um, just, uh, I know you talked about your, your the first game you went to in 2011. Do you have any other favorite memories of watching the Oilers that come to mind right away?
1: Well, the playoffs, of course. The, the first round against the Sharks it was such an awesome game, you know. Uh, the overtime game from David DeHernay I, I don't know how to pronounce his name I'm sorry for That's
0: that That's pretty close
1: DeHernay De yeah so such a great memory you know it it couldn't be different Eric because that that goal made the the whole stadium like go crazy you know people were so tense, they were so nervous, and when that goal just got into the net, you know, oh my gosh, you you saw a a, a different atmosphere at that time, you know. It was a great memory, and I also loved the game uh, where Dry Zero had a hat-trick against the Anaheim Ducks, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. You know, it was game six,
0: it was Game 6, right? yeah, that's right. Game you six. got it.
1: Yeah, it was Game 6, one of the best games that I have ever seen, you know, from the Oilers, you know, as a newer fan, you know, so these are my biggest memories, uh, biggest name, games that I have ever watched, and I still carry these memories to the present day.
0: That's awesome, Diego. And after you returned to Brazil from Canada, did you make an effort to consistently watch Oilers games still? And was it difficult to find a, a way to watch these games?
1: It was really difficult, you know. As soon as I got back from Canada to Brazil, so I had problems to follow the Oilers. So I used to access the NHL website, you know, look for some Oilers news, info, and i I was i wasn't this close you know to the oilers so and also other responsibilities took you know just appeared at that time so i couldn't follow the oilers closely and i spent almost one year and a half without some news from the Oilers. you know i didn't used to to access twitter at that time So I wasn't a big fan of that social media, and it got me... uh, It it was complicated for me, you know, to to watch some games, and to follow, to cope up with the news, you know, to follow the news, to catch up. Um, But in 2000, at the end of 2014, 2015, I started to watch the Oilers again you know, and I noticed that the Oilers had drafted a generational player called Connor McDavid, and the whole fan base was so excited, so I tried to search for more information, you know, trying to follow the Oilers and see what what is this guy, uh, why is this guy so good, you know, and since that time from the beginning of 2015 to the present day i'm a huge oilers, oilers fan you know i try to follow all the news you know follow the games i try to access to watch here you know we we can't pay the the nhl uh games because for us here in brazil it, it would be pretty expensive So we try to find other ways to watch the games and, you know, get into the Oilers news, you know, to catch up with some news from the Oilers.
0: Well, it's great to hear that there seems to be a growing fan base, maybe not even just for the Oilers, but hockey in general in Brazil. I was talking to Gabriel Cangido, who was on a couple episodes ago, and he was telling me about, you know, running the uh, Oilers Brazil account and just interacting with other hockey fans from Brazil. Uh, how many other Brazilians do you know that follow the game of hockey?
1: Oh, I don't know much. <laughs> I, I really didn't know anybody who used it to follow hockey. You know, when I returned to Brazil, I felt like, uh, a lost guy, you know, because here in Brazil, you know, and probably Gabriel also told you we have a huge tradition for some other sports like football, you know, when I mean football, soccer, Yes. actually, and and other non-traditional sports, but there have been a growth, you know, and Brazilian fan base is like basketball, you know, we used to watch some games on On TV sometimes but we we don't used to watch lots of NHL games you know and I was the only one I was the only guy here who who knew about hockey wanted to talk about hockey but there wasn't anybody to talk to me so I had to use some social media I started using a Facebook to watched some interviews about the Oilers, you know, watched the highlights, and after that I looked for the team on Instagram. So, and after that I created a new account to use Twitter and see if I could get some information from the Oilers as well. And then I I found Gabriel and he he was running an Oilers account, so we used to talk a lot, we used to exchange ideas, and there was one day he told me, why why don't you cover some Oilers games? So I need some help, and you seem to know a lot about the Oilers, you know, so you could give me a hand. But I don't do this much, you know, he's the owner of this account, so he runs the account, so only when he is really busy, I used to cover some games, you know, from oh, the see. Oilers Brazil account. Uh but it was great to find him, find him to talk about the Oilers, you know, to exchange some ideas, and I felt, I felt like, oh my gosh, this could be a great moment, an opportunity to. To speak about a game that I really like, you know, since I came back to Brazil, Eric, I'm not the same guy—the guy who used it to love football, used to love soccer, and watch <laughs> games. You know, I would rather exchange uh, this for hockey. You know, hockey gets me much more excited nowadays than soccer. You and know you what? cannot expect that from a guy who lives in Brazil. Uh, it's pretty unusual, you know.
0: Oh, absolutely. You know, I have a friend uh, from Australia, and he's also spent time growing up in the Philippines. And I've had him on the podcast multiple times before. He actually discovered hockey in 2011 as well. And this was a guy who loved basketball his whole life. And he still is a big basketball fan to this day. But just from talking to him, once he got interested in hockey, that just became his number one sport. And he has been the biggest Oilers fan ever since. So it's kind of cool to hear you tell your story because I thought it was somewhat similar to that, that over the past decade, uh, you guys have just seen uh, hockey become uh, your number one focus when it comes to sports.
1: Exactly. You know, hockey is my number one sport nowadays. Oh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't exchange this at all. You know, because since I learned the rules, uh, the, the emotion, the fever that uh goes in the ring, you know, the rivalries the rivalries. Is that right? Uh yep. I'm sorry, you know. No, you got uh, it. Uh I, I really liked, you know, I, I was really disappointed to be honest with with you with how the the soccer was being handled here in Brazil, you know, so it got me really demotivated and I was looking for something different. No and yeah. I'm uh, um, thankfully hockey came into my life and since since hockey appeared in my life, I have been a huge fan. You know, and it's my sport number one nowadays. So today I discovered that my hometown soccer team went to the finals uh, in right. a local championship here. But I wasn't this excited. You know, I, I, I'm I'm much more excited about the playoffs. You know, to watch Connor McDavid, Nugent Hopkins, Nurse and the whole team, you know, play hopefully the Jets. Uh,
0: Absolutely. And you know what? I think that's a great time to transition into talking about the Oilers here. And we're going to break down their four game series against the Vancouver Canucks last week. It was Edmonton's first four-game series all season. So let's start with Monday night's game in Vancouver where the Oilers won 5-3 and officially clinched a playoff spot, as you were just alluding to, for the second straight year. It was also the first time the Oilers have qualified for the playoffs in consecutive seasons since 1999, 2000, and 2000-2001. So 20 years. Diego, uh, even though the Oilers only led by a goal in the third period before Connor McDavid sealed it with an empty netter. It it really felt like they were in control of this game right from the start, didn't it?
1: Yeah, they were dominant from the beginning to the end of the game, you know, so JP had a strong game. Uh, Barry McDavid and Cajun also, Cajun potted his seventh of the season, you know? Yeah. So the second line was excellent. Mc McCloud was playing with some confidence and I, I couldn't notice that JP was shooting more, you know, so he has been developing a shooter mentality and he got two points that game, you know. Uh, I really liked uh, his performance, you No, know? I, I wasn't afraid of a, a bad out- outcome because I noticed the Oilers were playing Really serious, you know, they were playing with certain urgency, and I could notice that the team was in full control, you know, the whole game. So Barry's goal was awesome, amazing, you know. I took some notes here and I noted that Barry's goal that game gave Edmonton uh, defeat, defeat, man. Defenseman, yeah, thirty goals. You know, second in NHL. This is amazing. You know, zero had two points that game, and the the team was playing so well. You know, it. I'm I'm always happy when I see Jesse Pugliarvi, uh shooting and scoring goals. He deserves. What a story for that
0: guy. Oh, he's had such a a good bounce back season, and it's like you said, that second line. I thought they looked really good together and, and obviously that allowed Dave Tippett to load up his top line with Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl and Jesse Pugliarvi and the trio combined for eight points in the victory and like like you kind of said, I thought they were dangerous all night. Barry also chipped in with a goal, like you said, jumping in from the point. Um, now we obviously know that McDavid and Dreisidel have terrific chemistry, but I think McDavid and Pugliarvi are also starting to build some really good chemistry as well. Do you like the idea of having all three of them on the same line, or would you prefer to see McDavid and Dreisaitl play on separate lines?
1: I would rather choose the second option, you know. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of Dreisaitl and McDavid together, you know. Uh, it, it is an overpower line. Yeah. Uh, It is a great line actually, you know, really entertaining, but I'm not so confident with Ryan Nugent Hopkins as the second line center, you know, he has been having great games lately, which is great, you know, if he keeps up, we could have two strong lines, Uh, but, but I'm not so confident on him at this moment, you know, I don't know if he has been playing well because he's playing for a new contract, probably, uh, but he developed a great, great chemistry with Kaho and Yamamoto, so I dare to say, Eric, that I I prefer uh, New, Nugent Hopkins with Yamamoto than Draisaitl with Yamamoto. Yeah, uh, I, because I find I find more chemistry. I think they have the same pace of the game, you know, and they they really they really form a good match, you know, and McDavid and Dry Drysaddle are meant for each other, you know. Yeah. So if they could keep that, uh, these two lines working well, I would say let's keep that way, but I think Dry Drysaddle as the second line center offers more balance to the team, you know.
0: Yeah, so. I mean, when you have two powerhouse players like McDavid and Dreisaitl it makes sense to have them on on separate lines but Nugent Hopkins has been in the league for 10 years he's smart enough and skilled enough to play second line center however he has been on the wing more in the last couple of years so he does have the ability to either go back and forth between center and wing but personally as much as I love watching McDavid and Drysidle play together it's just they should be centering their own lines when the playoffs start. You can put them together against Vancouver or against Ottawa and beat up on a weaker opponent because their defense just isn't good enough to contain them. But once you start to play better teams, you're giving your, your team such a better chance to have them playing separately. And the, Look, they're still going to be able to feed off each other on the power plate. Yeah. But I I just think if you want the Oilers to be harder to play against, you have to take these two superstars and have them on their own lines. And and if the Dreisaitl-Nugent-Hopkins-Yamamoto line can recapture the magic that they had last winter, then the Oilers are going to be a really difficult team to beat in the postseason because we know that whoever plays with McDavid is is going to be fine. He can produce with anyone. But it's that second line that was so great last season, like we said, of Dreisaitl-Nugent-Hopkins-Yamamoto. That can be the difference maker going into the postseason.
1: No doubt, and I... I do love the second line, this dry line, as some people used to say, you yeah. know. They were magical last year. They were so entertaining. Dry Zero was taking over the carrying the team on their on his back, you know, while McDavid David was absent. And it was really good. It really worked well. You know, Nugent Hopkins was playing uh Great, and Yamamoto was also being like the master of four check. You know, he's not afraid of going to the boards and four check. Some people not they at work. all. Yes, and he is such a small player, but he's like a ferocious dog. You know, it's <laughs> not a, he's not afraid of anyone, and I like that. They were magical last year. It is exactly like you said, if they could recapture this magic, that, that would be such a treat, you know. Um, and I have one unpopular opinion Okay. So, uh, about the first lines. I know that some people really like Cahoon and, and McDavid plus Pooley Harvey. I I say Pooley is a keeper on the right wing. But this left wing is still wide open, you know. Cajun has had some great games. But I would say, Eric, why not to try McCloud on Mm. McDavid's wing? Because he's too fast, you know, and he could be the defensive conscious and leave Pooley more open to shoot and score more, you know?
0: You make a good point. Like, I, I will say, like Mc, McLeod does have the speed to play with a player like McDavid, and he would be able to be the defensive conscience. You're absolutely right about that. I just worry a little bit about throwing a player with less than 10 NHL games on his resume up on the top line and having to go up against the opposition's top defenders every night. I also think he's playing pretty well right where he is as the third-line center. Yeah. And you, and you look at a guy like Dominic Cahoon you you're you're right it is wide open I don't think that Dominic cahoon is a permanent solution there on the left side with mcdavid but for right now I think he's a decent stopgap because he's a player that doesn't need the puck he can just get mcdavid the puck and I remember the first couple games that they were together he would just get the puck to mcdavid in full stride and let him take it from there so it's it's not like they're going to be competing for who's going to carry it up the ice he's fine to just get it to connor and then get in an open spot in the offensive zone and and be looking for the pass back and he does have a great one-timer he scored a a beautiful one-timer goal in the game we're talking about here on uh last monday night so uh yeah he's like i said he has shown glimpses of his offensive upside but it's just he hasn't delivered as much offense as you probably would have liked this year i think
1: Yeah, absolutely, yeah, Cajun is a great player, It's a decent player, you know, he he can play in different lines, he has played some games on third line, and first line, second line, most of the season, you know, I I like him, but I don't think he's the solution long term, you know, he has had great games, but maybe next season, I don't know, I don't see him uh, Sticking with the Oilers. <laughs>
0: I mean, we've Sky. got a guy like Dylan Holloway coming too, right? And, and it's going to be another situation where it's a young guy like McLeod and maybe you don't want him up on the top line right away. But I think long term, that could be McDavid's left winger. And, and if you have Holloway on the left side and Pooley on the right side... Those are two big, fast, skilled wingers playing with Connor McDavid, and that could be a deadly first line uh, for the rest of the league to try and deal with.
1: Totally agree with you. I, I'm really hopeful for Dylan Holloway. I wasn't this much excited when uh, when the Oilers that drafted him. You know, we were expecting other players. You know, Cole yeah. Perfetti and some Those other. I think uh, some of some the guys were
0: playing fierce. in the Canadian leagues. You're right. Like, the the yeah. junior hockey players had been talked about more. And, and even I was a little bit surprised by the Holloway pick. But I think we've learned that we shouldn't uh, doubt Ken Holland. He's a, a GM who's done some pretty good things at the draft in his career. And it looks like he might have hit another home run with the Holloway pick. So yeah. uh, just... McDavid finished the night in Vancouver on Monday with two goals and two assists to raise his point total to 91 on the year. And by doing so, he became the first player to record 90 points in five consecutive seasons since Alex Ovechkin from 2005-2006 to 2009-2010. And more impressively, McDavid joined Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux as the only players in NHL history to score at least 30 goals and 60 assists in 50 games. Diego, we're going to be talking about McDavid a lot tonight. Uh, What can you say about the incredible season he's having?
1: He's a beast. He's the Uh, (laughs) goat. There there aren't uh, other adjectives, you know, than these ones. He's we're running out player. after 6 years
0: of things to say.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we we're running out of, of ideas, you know. I really don't know which words I uh, should use to express how great that guy is and how blessed we are as Oilers fans, you know. So, after some years of darkness and really bad results, so disappointed fans, McDavid was such a blessing, you know, in our lives and it's like he's the second coming of Gretzky and i'm so pleased to witness uh, him playing you know to be part of this moment as an Oilers fan you know because some people used to speak about the fast they have some big nostalgia you know and feelings about the 80s and the moment Gretzky, Messier, and other Oilers heroes were playing. And now, in 2021, we can witness McDavid do lots of magics on the ice. You know, we we can witness his breaking records in terms of points, assists, and goals. No, what water player. Uh, yeah. Honestly, uh, Eric, I have no words to describe him. Uh, I can just be thankful for McDave to play for the Oilers, and I hope it lasts for his whole career, you know?
0: Absolutely. And look, I, I was born halfway through Wayne Gretzky's career, so I missed the first half and the most dominant half of, of his time, and all of his time with the Oilers. So... Now getting to witness Connor McDavid's career right from the start in 2015. It's been such a blessing to see this generational talent on a yeah. night-to-night basis. I've only missed one game of his career so far. And just every single night I just have to remind myself that this is such a special time to be an Oilers fan and to never take it for granted even if they win or yeah. lose. Like you 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 might always be a little disappointed after a loss but just think like we have one of the greatest players of all time and we're getting to witness him and watch him in his absolute prime it's we're, we're so lucky as Oilers fans i mean how many franchises in their history have had a player of this caliber it's it's a it's a lucky time and i think the best uh, the best days in Edmonton are still ahead of us
1: Yes, definitely. Uh, Draisaitl said something yesterday on his interview post game. He said that something like this: "The greatest years uh, are ahead of us." That's you
0: right. Know, he it, did.
1: Yes, he said that, and it got me so excited because he's expecting a brighter future with the Oilers. You know, he's pumped about his his friend Connor McDavid as well and he's pumped about this team, you know, so they're getting confidence, they're smiling more. You know, I used to say that smiling's contagious. So Jesse Pulliarvi has yeah. made this team smile more and enjoy the game more. And that's how it should be, you know, every single game. You know, show this passion, this heart, and show this excitement for playing the game. The the game they are fortunate to play in this messed world, you know, so we're still witnessing some records and magic, you know, we're seeing lots of players excited to play the playoffs, we're seeing our biggest stars uh, pumped about the next years, the upcoming years, so it is a great time to be an Oilers fan, to be alive and to be part of this moment. Uh, I'm really amazed about what he, McDavid, has done on the ice, you know, and also the other players, you know, I don't want to just talk about him, but I, I should also give some merit to Darnell Nurse, who has been... Playing lights out, you know, so he has been having an incredible season. Uh, Adam Larson, he's played his 660th game, you know, yesterday and has been playing like a real stud, you know, so he's going to be a tough guy to take down during the playoffs. Uh, and I'm so glad we're having a strong team and making Mac David feel more confident and excited about his team and his upcoming years. You know, with these players. So I think I think we we should celebrate and we should we should really commemorate every single moment. You know, an Oilers fan Agreed. or even a loss. Uh, we should be happy about having him like you said
0: well you know I, I first of all i love your positivity and i couldn't agree more with you okay let's uh let's jump up uh to the second game of back-to-backs now in vancouver and the oilers got off to a little bit of a shaky start in this one allowing a goal 34 seconds into the game and it just seemed like they didn't have much energy through the first 35 minutes or so of this game but all of a sudden they erupted for three quick goals late in the second period and basically took over the game from there and even though the Oilers were trailing for over half the game and Demko had made some really good saves for the Canucks the Oilers scored four unanswered goals to pick up a solid 4-1 road win and Diego I'll tell you I from watching this game I just felt like they needed one lucky bounce to wake them up and get back in the game how about you?
1: Yeah, so had the same feeling, you know. Uh, that first, that first goal from uh, Bezer, you know, was was a stink, you know, 34 <laughs> seconds in. Uh, but even even still, the Oilers managed to outshot the the Canucks on the first period, you know. So they were. Uh, they weren't uh, afraid of the result, you know, they were battling, but of course they were struggling a lot. You no, know? but on the second period, the rice scored two times and Bouchard also scored a beautiful power play goal, you know. There was a difference of 14-6 shots for the Oilers, you know, so they really exploded on the second period. But I, I I've always been confident about the Oilers, you know, especially this team. They they haven't, you know, been affected by one goal, you know, or to to go after the game if they are losing. So they were bat- battling to to win. You know, yeah. and yeah. I, I saw some no I saw uh, some lines working well, I, I saw the f- fourth line putting some pressure on Vancouver's zone, that was a great sign, you know, the second line uh, was having some chemistry again, so I was confident because the, all the lines were working, they, they, they were battling, they were really trying mm-hmm. to generate chances for for the Oilers. And on the third period, uh, Nurse scored a beautiful goal. We were outshot, you know, uh, by the Canucks. 17 shots against six for the Oilers. But Mike Smith went huge to win that game for us.
0: Yeah, we got to give, you know, a shout out to Mike Smith for how well he's played, not just this past week, but all season long. And, you know, I, I also think that, after securing a playoff spot the previous night, the Oilers might have taken their foot off the gas a little bit in the second game in Vancouver. But once Dreisaitl scored those first two goals, it just looked like the Oilers... Like, it gave the Oilers life. And it, it I think it also took the wind out of the Canucks sails a bit. And from there, they just cruised to another win. And like you said, Darnell Nurse scored his career-high 16th goal of the season in the third period to put this yeah. one away. So it just it was pretty elementary from there. Uh, I'd also like to get your thoughts on Evan Bouchard, who played in his first NHL game in more than two months on Tuesday. And look, it's not an ideal situation for your top prospect to go that long without playing. But yeah. Bouchard looked like he hadn't missed any time at all the way he stepped into the lineup and the way he was skating and moving the puck. He played over 20 minutes and obviously scored a power play goal. Uh, just before the end of the second period. Uh, What did you think of uh, Bouchard's play on Tuesday? And do you think he should have been in the AHL with the Bakersfield Condors all season?
1: I heard some rumors that he didn't want to go to the AHL, but I'm not sure about that. uh,
0: Yes, uh, apparently it's been put out that Ken Holland asked him if he would rather be playing in the minors or if he would rather be on the taxi squad in Edmonton. And, you know, from a, from strictly, a, a financial perspective, you're going to be making more money sitting in the press box in Edmonton than you would playing in Bakersfield. As for his development, you'd probably like the guy to be playing as much as possible. But yeah. I think pe- people forget that he played all, uh, all fall in Sweden before coming back to Edmonton to start the season in January. So he did actually get quite a bit of playing time in, uh, up until December, I think, when he flew back to Canada. But, uh, yeah, it's it's not the best situation this year. They, they would have loved to have him playing in Bakersfield, but I think just with the seven-day quarantine, it made it so much harder to send players down and recall them. Exactly, exactly.
1: And Bouchard seems to be ready, you know. He should be a keeper for the next season. Uh, there were some... Uh, chats about barry not resigning resigning with the oilers because he's gonna ask for a lot of money and i get that i understand he's been really useful for us you know but i'm afraid of him coming next year because it would you know block bouchard for from, from stepping in to the team you know and i really feel eric that bouchard is ready to to play to quarterback the power play you know, yeah, he has an awesome release. He shot is elite for me. You know, uh, I really liked his game. He 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 didn't seem to be like rusty uh, when he played this game. You know, he got some power play time, a uh, few seconds with McDavid. He also took part of the penalty kill, penalty kill. You know. Uh, And he he didn't act like he was playing pee-wee hockey, you know, he seemed (laughs) like a pro. Uh, He was playing really confident, you know, not afraid of uh, go for the puck, shoot the puck. And I like players who are not afraid to shoot the puck. He he doesn't seem to uh, overthink when he has the puck you know, yeah, on his he's so stick. calm
0: under pressure the, uh, he might be the Oilers most calm player. And I think that some people would even like to see a little more urgency in his game, but I just love the fact that he can deliver those potentially breakaway passes to McDavid at any moment. Just, you, you see the way he's able to just give these 50, 60 foot passes to, uh, send a, send a player in all alone or to uh, create an odd man rush. and uh, Like I was saying a little bit before about Bouchard, you know, because of how important he is to the future of the organization, it doesn't make a lot of sense to have him sitting for that long. But I think it just came down to a numbers game this year. And as the youngest and least experienced right shot defender on the Oilers behind Tyson Berry, Ethan Barron, Adam Larson, Bouchard was either going to have to play as offhand or, or he wasn't going to play at all and we know that Tippett likes to have an even number of righty or lefty blue liners so really the the only time that Bouchard was consistently in the lineup was when Ethan Bear got a concussion back in I, I think late January so that's when Bouchard came in and and was uh, played about 10 to 12 games before he went back in the bo- um in the press box again but that being said I I fully expect him to be a permanent roster player next season, and I don't know what that means for Tyson Berry. There might be interest on the Oilers' side or Barry side to sign another contract. I just think, like you, you have this sure thing in Berry, and although he might, you know, leave something to be desired defensively. The offense he's putting up this year is the best we've seen from an Oilers defenseman in a long time. So to just let that walk out the door, if he's willing to come back on a reasonable contract, I think it's something you still have to consider, even though Bouchard will eventually step into being uh, that top power play uh, quarterback who's playing with McDavid and Dreisaitl and creating all that offense on the power play.
1: Exactly. Tyson Berry has... 46 points this season yeah the 56 game season that is a lot you know and he also has a plus minus that is positive as well you know so it, these are good things four power play goals you know 22 power play points so he's huge for this special team
0: and that's what so he was I, brought in to do you know he wasn't brought in to be a, a defensive stalwart he was brought in to rack up a ton of points with McDavid and Dreisidel with the man advantage. And that's that's exactly what he's done. The Oilers power play is the best in the league right now. It was the best last season as well. But with Oscar Clefbaum out for the season, Barry has come in and filled that role on the power play just perfectly.
1: Yeah, you can't complain about him. You know, I know some people like you said, they really hate the fact Barry's not as good defensively as he is offensively. But it is okay for me, you know, he's contributing a lot. And he's making this team better. It feels great, Eric, to have the best power played two seasons in a row, you know? And also, uh, another important fact uh, is the, the penalty kill team, you know? It has been the first in NHL since March, you know? I yeah. don't know specifically the, the, the day, hey. but...
0: They've really bounced up because I think the power play or the penalty kill, I should say, was somewhere around 18th or 19th in the league at about the midway mark. And since then, it's it's climbed up. I, I believe it's 11th now overall, 10th or 11th. So but but like you said, the, the way that it's been uh, performing lately, that is the big reason why it's had that massive jump.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm i not mad at Tyson Berry coming back for the Oilers, but I really think about even Bouchard, and for me, he's ready. He should be a permanent player on this roster. Um, I, I like him, and I think if we should pay uh, some money, we should pay for a winger to play with McDavid. You know, some wingers, maybe a turn light center. I don't know if Mac Claude will uh, still be this third line center guy. Hopefully he he becomes this guy so we don't need to trade to
0: I'm sure Ken Holland has that. Yeah. Like I think that's gonna be one of his top priorities in the off season is to try and find a top six winger who could potentially play with McDavid. Uh like I said, they still do have Holloway coming, but Uh, Ken Holland isn't the type of GM who likes to bank on a young player. He would prefer them to steal a spot than to just pencil them in that, okay, from training camp on, this is going to be where you're going to play. He wants them to come in and take that job, not be given a job. And just to finish up on uh, that game against the Canucks, I wanted to quickly get your thoughts on Kyler Yamamoto. You know, he had a few good chances to score in that game, but just couldn't find the back of the net. And and look, Yamamoto was almost a point-per-game player in a 27-game sample size last season, so we know yeah. he has the ability to produce offense. But yeah. he just hasn't had a lot of puck luck this year. Do you think it might just take one goal for him to get on a hot streak and, and start finding the back of the net more consistently?
1: He needs to take this monkey off his back, you know? <laughs> yes. He's been an unlucky guy, and I'm cheering for him because he creates lots of chances. He battles for the puck, you know. So he has been uh, in a slump recently, but he's not playing poorly, you know. So he's a he's a guy who, like you said. He can bounce back, you know. Once he gets one goal, it doesn't have to be the prettiest one. It can be a really ugly goal. Just I needs think, it to go in. Yeah, he, he needs that to get his confidence back. And I, I believe he he might score one goal before the playoffs, you know. It's just a matter of time because he, he has been working for the puck, you know. He has been battling for the puck. And he yeah. had a strong game, you know. Uh, this last week, uh, the the game, the first game that gave the Oilers the playoffs, you know, clinched the Oilers, he played well.
0: In my I opinion. mean, he, he's still only 22, right? So he's not a final product. But this player is still going to get better. And even when he's not producing points, you know, I think he's a very solid defensive player and he's a good penalty killer. So uh, I just think he surprises a lot of people as well with how physically is despite being the smallest player in the ice. And as soon as he starts contributing more offensively, he's going to be a very useful player for the Oilers. Uh, he already is useful, but it'll just be even better. And I think that, uh, he still has the, the upside of being a, uh, a offensive minded winger who can play in the top six. Um, let's, let's now move on to Thursday's game back at Rogers place in Edmonton. And, uh, Diego, uh, this one got ugly very early as Miko <laughs> yeah. Koskinen, Miko Koskin allo- allowed four goals on the first four shots he faced before being pulled, and the Canucks went on to win six to three. Koskinen was also the first NHL goalie since 1989 to allow four goals on four shots. Uh, look, I-, I was impressed that the Oilers scored two late goals in the first period to at least cut the deficit to two. But ultimately, I think the Oilers just dug themselves too deep of a hole to climb out of, didn't they?
1: Yeah, exactly. They did. You know that was not a good record to keep. You know, so probably Koskinen is still having nightmares about that game. You know, that that was a disaster from the very beginning. We weren't expecting that. No. And and it was really hard hard to climb back and get. The, the points you know uh, for me the fate of the game was decided after these that for those four goals you know in the beginning of the game uh, Koskinen is a solid goalie he has been a decent backup goalie despite uh, what some fans think you know they used to criticize a lot his performance I'm one of them I was one of them but I had to cool down, you know, and realize that he has been really decent. So when he doesn't play lots of games, you know, he has some time to rest, he plays uh, solid games. And that night was was not one of his nights. He was really unlucky, you know. Uh, David Tippett said after the game that two of the two of these first four goals were Koskinen's fault you know and the other two the other two goals were the defense's fault you know so Kulikov made a mistake you know uh, that led to one of these four goals and but I think Koskinen can be much better than than he is he will not forget that night he will probably uh next time he step in the ice on the ice mm-hmm. he will be very pissed you know <laughs> and he want he would like to prove people wrong but that was really bad you know it hurt and it was difficult to to get the victory after those first four games you know but right. i really liked that there was an effort from dry settle and, Jesse Puliyarvi again scoring another goal, his career high. You know, Uh, it feels good to see he has a great release. You know, and he he put himself in position to shoot the puck. You know, so he has been playing with such more confidence, Eric. So I'm so glad to see him performing well. You know, despite the outcome of the game. So he has been. Playing really strong, and that night I could notice this too, you know. And Dry Zarel again posting two goals. Who would expect that?
0: Yeah, it was a, you know, it was a great pass by Connor out of the corner to set up Jesse for that one timer, and you know he rang at post and in perfect shot. And I thought you also brought up a really good point about Koskinen, uh, in that since he has started to get more rest with Mike Smith coming back into the lineup, that his performances have been better as of late. And, and if you look at it, in his last 11 games, he's won seven of those games. Uh, obviously prior to uh, Thursday night's collapse, but just uh, I think he's better suited as a backup and when he doesn't have to be the guy you rely on night after night you get more consistent stronger performances from him so i think he's perfectly suited where he is i mean you don't obviously want to have a 4.5 million dollar backup but it, look when you have a goalie like mike smith who's making 1.5 million and giving you the type of stellar goaltending he has it all kind of evens out a little bit so it's uh, it's been a, a a big bonus ever since uh, Smith came back, but no Koskinen has definitely held his own in the, in the smaller sample size that he's played. Um, I wanted to, uh, yeah. And I, I, I just think, you know, the Oilers hadn't had a real letdown in a while. So they were bound to have an off night eventually. And I would really rather get a loss like that out of the way before the playoffs. But at the end of the day, Diego, I mean, it was a meaningless game in the standings. The Oilers are locked into second place in the North Division. And they're just waiting to see who they're going to be playing in the first round of the playoffs. But that being said, you never want to lose to one of your biggest rivals.
1: No, no way. You know, they they were... They were very unlucky with these first four goals. But the fact that they were already locked, you know, for the postseason made me feel comfortable about this loss, mm-hmm. you know. I was really hoping for macdavid to get as many points as he, as he could, you know.
0: So and that was he the most important. Points. <laughs> yeah. And he could have had four. He had a penalty shot that he didn't score on. But like you said, yeah, just... McDavid getting the three assists to uh, increase his totals to 96 points in 52 games. That that was the, the most important thing from that game, from my my perspective anyway.
1: Yeah, I had the same opinion, you know, so I, I was really excited for him. And I knew this day would come, but I was not expecting that would be this Saturday, you know. <gasps> so he had four points.
0: Wow. <laughs> You know what? You're foreshadowing and leading us right into the fourth and final game against the Canucks on Hockey Night in Canada. (laughs) And after a disappointing loss on Thursday, the Oilers responded with a big 4-3 win at Rogers Place. Additionally, three Oilers players reached milestones in that game. And we'll start with the biggest one, as we just mentioned a couple moments ago. Connor McDavid came into this game four points away from the century mark. And although it's almost impossible to predict a four point night from anyone, the best players always seem to rise to the occasion. And that's exactly what McDavid did, registering his seventh four point game of the season, 19th of his career, to reach 100 points in just 53 games, and also making him the fourth fastest player in the last three decades to reach the milestone. Diego, did you think McDavid was going to hit a hundred points last night? And is this one of the best moments you've experienced as a hockey fan?
1: Definitely, Eric, definitely. I, I was not expecting him to reach one hundred points, you know, you you told me something that he would. you he, he might he might reach this 100 points mark this Saturday, you know, but I wasn't so confident about that. You know, I was expecting a more difficult game, you know, because the Vancouver had a win, so they would come out stronger, you know, hungrier. So I was not expecting an easy game for Mac David, and it was not an easy game, but he's a superstar. He's the best in the world. So he rose up for the occasion. And he showed he is such a dominant player. Uh, I was amazed. For me, it's one game to keep on the books, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, McDavid has achieved so much individual success in his young career. He's won awards. He's going to win a bunch more this year. He's had tons of milestones and even a few NHL records. But I think this is his greatest accomplishment to date. Yeah. And, you know, the the fact that he scored 45 seconds into the game, just getting that first point out of the way early, that's when I felt really confident that 100 points was happening tonight. And then, of course, he added three assists in the second period to cap off the historic night. Um, you know, Diego, in the 20-plus years I've been following this team, there's a handful of games that I can remember vividly and I'm sure that this is going to be one of those games that not only myself, but many Oilers fans will never forget. When you think of the games that come to mind immediately, like you talked about the dry-siddle hat-trick game in the playoffs, Dearnay's overtime winner. Do you think this will be one of those games uh, where McDavid got 100 points in 53 games that you'll be able to remember years from now?
1: No doubt. You know, I will always remember that game. You know, it, it it is an amazing record. So, which other player would score 100 points in 53 games? You know, in a 56-game season. So, how could you not get excited about that? I we always remember about this game. It was one game to get really excited because it was a game that had lots of milestones. You know. So Dry zero five, 500 point game. You know, our German Gretzky, like the broadcaster yeah. said, and I totally agree with him. You know, uh McDavid scoring four points to reach one hundred. You know, JP also scoring again. So it was great to see McDavid dry zero hugging one each other, you know, after Dry Zero <laughs> score five hundred points. And McDavid scores 100 points. Adam Larson also having 600 games, you know, and playing for the Oilers very strong, like I said. Uh, it is a game to keep on the books, you know, and I will never forget that moment. Great. I'm, ho- and- I'm hoping for best games during the playoffs, but for now, this is one of the games that I will always remember.
0: You know, That's it's right.
1: Such a fantastic performance.
0: You know, the fun stuff is just around the corner with playoffs coming in a couple weeks. But um, it's like Dave Tippett said after the game in his presser last night that uh, what McDavid has done now with that performance is establish himself as one of the greatest players to ever play the game. And I think that I, I think most people had felt that he would become that ilk of a player at some point in his career that he would be you know he would go down as one of the greatest players of all time and even though we're only six years into his his nhl career i think that we can start saying that about the guy now just the things that he he's been able to accomplish in such a short amount of time it's truly remarkable i mean you you just look he his he has 68 assists this year The third leading scorer in the NHL has 67 points. So even if Connor didn't have a single goal, he would be second in league scoring behind Dreisaitl right now. But the fact that he's also second in the league in goals with 32 just shows you what a dominant offensive force he is.
1: He's a monstrous. He's having a monstrous season, you know. It it is amazing to... Uh, I really would like him to reach also Matthews and take uh, the Rocket Richard trophy from him, you know, because I don't like the Leafs,
0: <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> uh,
1: but I have to confess, Matthews is also having a great season, you know, good for him actually. But I would rather see Connor McDavid take them all, you know, like take all the trophies because he has to be you know and he's going to be hopefully the uh, the art bras and heart winner you know and it would be something really special if he could get the rocket richard it's not going to happen but you know it would be just one more statement of how great this player is he he doesn't have to prove nothing at this moment you know he has yeah. been dominant in every single aspect of the game and like you said can you imagine a player without any goals still be leading the league in points that is amazing it's out of this world eric so i'm so glad to to be part of this moment it's like watching pelé you know yes. but pelé wearing skates <laughs> So I'm very fortunate.
0: (laughs) No, that's that's great, man. And also, I mean, if you another notable thing that really stood out from that game is that McDavid, by reaching 100 points, became only the eighth player in NHL history with at least four 100 point seasons before turning 25 years old. He's in such an elite class right now, and the fact that he had 97 points last year due to an injury and a pandemic-shortened season, he really should have five 100-point seasons by now. It's just mind-boggling the numbers he's putting up, and also, he's about to become just the third player in NHL history, along with the great Gordie Howe and Wayne Gretzky, to become only the third player to ever win Three scoring titles at the age of 24 and under. So it's just everything he's doing right now is just incredible. This is a season for the ages. He's having the best individual season of any player in the last quarter century, and we're going to remember this season for a long time. It, probably as long as we're watching the game, we'll we'll be thinking about this uh, incredible campaign that Connor McDavid had in 2020 2021.
1: Definitely and I'm really hopeful for the playoffs if they keep this level of play if he keeps This level of play so great Greater things will come you know in our way so we we can have great surprises And I'm really hoping for a very strong performance from him and from the whole team this playoffs you know some people do not uh, bet on the Oilers to go in a long run but anything can happen during the playoffs don't you agree
0: absolutely as long as you have a hot goalie and when you have the best player in the world like mcdavid anything can happen so with mike smith and connor mcdavid i just think that uh, right now the oilers are poised to at least win one round in the playoffs and uh, when it comes to the leafs i think they're a pretty evenly matched team the the toronto maple leafs are are A little better right now but like I said it's all going to come down to goaltending and and special teams and if uh, the Oilers win those uh, those battles then they're going to win the series Um, just a couple other things before we call it a night you mentioned this earlier Leon Dreisaitl picking up his 500th career NHL point the first German player to ever reach the milestone it's very rare that when a player gets his 500th point, that it isn't the biggest story of the night. But when you have a player like McDavid getting 100 points in 53 games, it's, uh, it's not the lead story. Still, what a remarkable accomplishment. Uh, what can you say about not just the season Settles had, but the career he's had to reach uh, 500 points in just under seven years?
1: I'm so glad that some journalists they had to eat their crawls
0: you know <laughs>
1: because yeah so some people were saying uh, bad things about the dry saddle pick you know and he proved everyone wrong you know from that that draft class he has been the best player hands down you know definitely so who is San Bennett Eric? Nelson Bennett is <laughs> having a better, uh, a, having a better season with the Panthers, but he he will never be Leon Drysdale. No. You know he is our German Gretzky. This player has grow, grown a lot. You know he has developed lots of things in his game. He's shooting, you know his defensive game. He has been on a run. Probably he's not going to win, but it's good to mention that he's 30 and plus minus, you know, four, uh, 14 power play goals, and short and shorthanded goals he has scored one. So he's having a much better defensive uh, season, you know, some people were, were saying some things about his defensive game that was not this good, and he's proving once again, that people are wrong, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, everyone knows what a great offensive talent he has. I mean, he's the defending, or I shouldn't say defending, the reigning Art Ross Trophy winner, Hart Trophy winner, Ted Lindsay Award winner. Uh, he had 110 points last season. No one else even hit 100. But he's also turned into a very dependable defensive performer. And when you can have a guy like that who is as... Big and strong and fast and skilled as he is, he's just this incredible talent that on most teams he'd be the franchise player. But when you play on the same team as Connor McDavid, you're the number two guy. And still, to have that kind of a duo leading the way in Edmonton, they're set up for success for many years down the road just because they have these elite franchise players. And if they can surround them with the necessary talent, then it's gonna be a it's gonna be an exciting decade of hockey ahead of us, my friend.
1: No doubt, and I do believe he has lots of more things to offer in his game. You know, Drysdale has been uh, um, such a such an important player for this team. You know, and I don't know if you think the same, but Jesse Pulleyard could be taking the same path. You know, in terms of Evolving and developing the game as dry settle because dry Tri settle, dry settle also went down to the AHL yep. AHL right to yep. have some time there to have a stint there, and when he returned, he returned very strong. You know, improving his game, and we could notice this in JP. You know, he after he returned to the Oilers, he's been. Evolving, developing his game, his confidence, and we could expect also greater fr- things from him too. You know, I, I so, see what but, you're
0: saying there. Yeah, you know, they are, they they both are a couple high draft picks. You know, uh, was picked third overall in 2014. puliarvi was picked fourth overall in 2016. They are both big body guys. They got the good one timer. You know, good skaters as well. In terms of expecting Jesse to be as dominant of a player of dry I think is unfair. So I, I don't know if you're trying to make that comparison. I, but if you're in terms of just becoming a a solid top six, potentially even top line winger who's capable of scoring twenty five goals, maybe even putting up seventy points down the road. These are things that I think Jesse could do. But, um, Dreisaitl, I believe, is just uh, such a special talent. One of the best players yeah. in the world. I don't think Jesse's ever going to get to that level. But one thing I think we can all agree on is that the the perspective on this player has changed so much from where it was a year ago when he was back in Finland. He's come back to Edmonton and looks like a completely different player than we saw the first time around.
1: Yeah, Exactly no i was not trying to make this comparison oh i didn't uh, think comparison.
0: you were <laughs> I, I was just saying that
1: it is good to see that leon took some path you know he had right. to come back to go to go down to come back stronger you know
0: That's, so the, that's I, I, the and I, could I agree.
1: It, yeah it, and i couldn't notice something similar to jesse you know maybe he will be an impactful player for the oilers and we hope for that but he's not going to be at the same league you know uh, well it's hard for
0: anyone to get to the level dry settles at very few players reach where he's at but you look at Jesse Pugliarvi he's scored 15 goals in his last 41 games which projects to a 30 goal pace over a full season I'm not saying that Pugliarvi is going to score 30 goals next year but I think we can reasonably expect that he should be in the 20 to 25 range especially if he's playing with McDavid on a consistent basis
1: absolutely, you know, and uh, like I said, he has a great release, he has a, a good stick handling, you know, and also has a good defensive game, he can steal some pucks, he can make some plays, I am I, really liking, you know, digging the this kind of game he's having this season, you know, but yeah, to compare him with Leon Drysaddle and Connor McDavid, it's Unfair. And I don't know if it's reasonable to say that we should compare Connor McDavid
0: with Leon Drysettle because yeah. uh, I think Connor belongs to
1: its own league, you know?
0: <laughs> no, I agree with you, but you know what? I will give Drysettle credit. He was the best player on the Oilers last season. Now, maybe McDavid coming back from a potentially career altering injury and rehabbing that in the summer might have affected his ability to get to 100% last season. But nonetheless, Dreisaitl was the top player on the Oilers and deserved to be the MVP of the league last year. And the fact that Connor, even after a summer of rehabbing his knee, was able to finish second in league scoring shows still how dominant he is, even when he's not at 100%.
1: Exactly. You know, McDavid uh, is such a magician when he has the puck. You know, he can do things that we we would never expect, you know, even if he's not want, not 100%, you know, that's what, what do you call a talented player, you know, he can make plays from nowhere, you know, become something, uh, become some grade eight chances for the team, you know, become some, some goals, it's really good to have this kind of player who can turn the, change the game, you know, and... A few seconds, like Conor McDavid, and having him with Leon Drysdale, with is who is another elite player. It's also a gift. It, it's too much that yeah. we, we could have ever asked it for, you know.
0: And the fact that they're just starting to bring in more of these young players now to surround them with it, it's it's really exciting. Um, so the last thing I wanted to uh, touch on before we call it a night. You had mentioned this a little bit earlier. It was the third and final milestone of the Saturday night's game, and that was Adam Larson getting to 600 career games. He doesn't make as many headlines. He's not a guy who's going to rack up a ton of points, but he plays a very important role on the back end. I just wanted to get a thought from you on what you like about Adam Larson's game overall and uh, an achievement of uh, playing 600 games in the league.
1: Oh, so good for him to achieve this milestone, you know, 600 games for NHL nowadays, it's a big accomplishment, so I, I give him that. He he has been a solid defender, you know, he's been having a very strong season, Now he only has 9 point, points this season, but this is not what, it, what is the most important stat about him, it's the fact that he has been an excellent penalty killer, you know, a mean uh, defender and he's going to be a huge piece for us during the playoffs, you know. Part of the success this team had in 2016-17 season was because of the defensive game and Adam Lawson was playing really well at that time and he seems to repeat his Performance from a few years ago. This season, you know. So I'm really glad for him, and I'm, I'm, I'm not against a new contract for him. Like we would like a reasonable contract, not an overpay. Uh, but I'm totally in favor, you know, uh, to have him against to have him. I'm sorry, next season. You no, know, I really like his game, you
0: know. Well. I think he's such an important piece, because if you look at who the Oilers right shot defenseman would be if they let him go, and and let's say they just inserted Bouchard into that spot, you've got Tyson Berry, who is an offensive-minded defenseman. You've got Evan Bouchard, who does have some defensive ability, but is more offensively inclined. And then you've got a guy like Ethan Baer, who moves the puck really well, but isn't really big you would be missing that physical, intense, vicious presence on the back end. And to have a guy like Larson who clears the crease and, you know, gives the goaltender room to see the puck, and just a guy who finishes checks and is is hard to play against, that is what you need. You can't just have the same type of player throughout the lineup to build a team you need to have a bunch of different components. And he brings something that the Oilers need on the back end. Darnell Nurse brings some of that physicality and intensity yeah. too. But if they're not playing on the same unit, and, and Darnell Nurse now obviously has taken a, a big step offensively in his game, but just to have a, a guy like Larson who is strictly focused on you know taking care of his own end and, and the defensive side of the puck, that's something that the Oilers shouldn't let walk out the door and. It sounds like they are working on a four-year extension, so I would be happy with him coming back. And right now, he's going to turn twenty-nine, I believe, this fall. Yes, twenty-nine. Yeah. You know, he's at an age for a defenseman where you know he's at the at the peak of his abilities and at his strength. And I'm I'm totally fine with a a four-year contract.
1: Um. So am I. I. I think he. He's the exact type of defenseman we need, you know, a shut-down defenseman. Right. And he's he's doing exactly uh, what what we were hoping, you know, from him, you know, shut-down plays, you know, clean the crease, like you said. Uh, Him and other um, Darnell Nurse, they have been strong, you know, in terms of uh, physical play. You know, and it's really good to have this kind of players because if you look at other teams such as Montreal, they have two important uh, defensive players, you know, they're very strong, like big studs. So I think the Oilers also need this kind of defensemen, you know.
0: And when you get to the playoffs, you'll be really glad that you have a guy like Larson on the back end.
1: Yeah, so... I think we shouldn't let him walk, and Kulikov has been a good addition for the team. Having a shutdown pair is a great strategy from Tippett, in my opinion. You know, so two strong and big guys to to rely on when things get meaner and more difficult, you know, especially during the postseason. So I really like him, and it's one of my favorite players to you on this team
0: well Diego I appreciate your analysis there and it's been great talking to you tonight you've uh, you've been a fun guest to have on the show Um, where can people follow you on Twitter
1: so you can find me if you type Diego Diego Pontes or Diego Barros my Twitter is Diego underline PR Barros so you can find me there
0: so that's B-R-B-A-R-R-O-S.
1: Uh, P-R. I'm sorry. I'm going to say it again. So Diego underline yeah. bajos.
0: Got like it. And Barros, we, uh, we'll yeah, also make P. sure to tag you in the, the tweet when we post this on Twitter so everyone can find you. Once again, Diego, thanks so much for being on the show, and I hope you'll be back sometime.
1: Oh, my pleasure, Eric. Thank you for having me.
0: All right. So for Diego Pontus, I'm Eric Friesen. This has been the 99 Forever Podcast. We're out.
1: Oilers Life Podcast.